Saints, have you ever given any thought to the fact that you think in two places? You know, I don't think that the majority of us have. I really never give it a whole lot of thought that we actually do think in two places. We think in our minds and we think in our hearts. And Hebrews 4.12 in New King James says, For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. You know, the heart, therefore, means that it's the control center of the soul, the mind, the will, and affections. So really, your, your heart is, is a control center. And saints also like to remind you that your heart is a high-risk, vulnerable place because of sin. Your heart is a high-risk, vulnerable place because of the sin. And this is something that we need to understand. And this is why the Lord continues to warn us about guarding our hearts. He tells us throughout the Bible, you know, from Genesis to Revelations, about guarding our hearts. And so it must be important. In Jeremiah 17, 9, in English Standard Bible, it says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? In verse 10, the Lord says, I, the Lord, search the heart, and I test the mind to give every man according to his wills, according to his ways, and according to the fruit of his deeds. In other words, the Lord connects our hearts and our minds together. King Solomon said it best. He said, Above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. In other words, what he's saying here is what the mouth speaks, he says, comes from your heart. A lot of people are not aware of that, but what's, it's what's in your heart is what's coming out of your mouth. And he says that, and one of the truths that comes from this saying is the connection between your words and your thoughts. In Luke 6.45, it says, The good man brings good things out of the good treasure of his heart, and the evil man brings evil treasure out of his heart. For out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Praise God. Jesus said it this way in Matthew 12, 34. He says, for the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. And that's what I just said. What your heart is full of, that's really what's coming out of your mouth. You can say what you want to, and you can say, I don't mean to say this, and I didn't mean to say that, but it's what's in your heart that's going to come out of your mouth. And I know our hearts aren't perfect, and so there are going, we are still working on it because we're working on renewing our mind. We're working on renewing our thoughts. And as we renew those thoughts, it's, it's renewing our heart. And so it's going to be le less of those words are going to come out. The more we renew it, the less they're going to come out. He says in Proverbs 4.20, he said, My son, he says, pay attention to my words. He said, open your ears to what I say. He said, do not lose sight of these things. He said, keep them deep within your heart because they are life to those who find them, and they heal the whole body. Selah. In other words, just stop and pause and, and think about that. What God is saying is to pay attention to his word and to keep them deep in your heart because it's through knowing his word and speaking them over your body that your whole body can be healed. It's, you've got to know the word, and then you've got to speak the word over your body, and that's what he's saying. Keep them deep, deep within your heart. He said, you need to guard your heart more than anything else because the source of your life flows from it, you know. Saints, our hearts can think. Think about that. Our hearts can actually think. Medical science is just now beginning to understand this. 
The Lord revealed this to us in his word long, long, long before science ever discovered it. As a matter of fact, there's nothing science has ever come up with that God didn't already know about. <laughs> so the Lord revealed this to me, uh, to us in his word, like I said, long before that. This article was found in a recent medical report, and it reveals the depth of our hearts. And it is the control center, as I said, of the soul, the mind, the will, and affections. It stated that when some transplant patients receive their new hearts, they discover that the previous owner has donated a few eerie thoughts along with the heart as well. It says, after recovering from their operation, several patients start, started recounting incidents that occurred in their donors' lives. For instance, it says that a 52-year-old man who liked classical music, but after being given the heart of a teenage boy, suddenly discovered that he liked rock and roll. <laughs> you know, that, that's quite a switch. And it said a man who had received a heart from a woman that was hit by a train had recurring dreams about train wrecks. And it said after a young boy received his heart transplant, he awoke and he told his mother, he said, everything is copacetic, in other words, in excellent order. And his parents said he had never used that word or phrase before. However, he did learn later that the donor and his wife used it to reassure each other that after they'd had an argument that all was well. And that the donor and his wife used it, like I said, to uh, reassure each other. Uh, and, and let me say this, I, t I took it out, but I'm gonna put it back in. <laughs> there, there was a young girl, an eight-year-old girl, that received a heart transplant uh, from a, a, a victim that had been murdered. And when the girl received the heart of this person that had been murdered, uh, she was able to describe in detail what happened. And the, they were actually able to comprehend the person and convict him. That's how powerful our hearts are. We have to know that our, our hearts are really, like I said, the control center. And it's very powerful. Saints, let me tell you why I'm telling you this. It's because our hearts can think. As I said before, we don't only think with our hearts, but also with our minds, but also with our hearts. That's why the Lord tells us in Romans 12, 2, in a God word translation, he said, don't become like the people of this world. He said, instead, change the way that you think. Then you will always be determined, then you'll always be determined on what God really wants. Friends, it is the wrong thinking that is putting our world in the shape that it's in today. Think about that. It's the wrong thinking. It's them taking the thoughts that Satan is putting into their minds, and they are receiving these thoughts, and they're taking them into their, they're getting, keep taking one thought after the other, and they're getting into their hearts, and they're acting on them. And that, that's one of the things that's going on today. It's the wrong thinking. In Matthew 10, 14, in New King James, it says, When Jesus called the multitude to himself, he said to them, Hear and understand. He says, it's not what goes into the mouth that defiles a man, but what comes out of the mouth, this defiles a man. In other words, the words that you speak. He said in verse 12, then disciples, then his disciples came and said to him, he said, do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this saying? Brothers and sisters, think about what Jesus is saying here. 
and, and think about what's going on in the world today and has been going on for a long time now. It's been going on, on and on and on. Everything about Jesus offends the Pharisees of today, regardless of what you do. Why does Jesus offend them? I don't have time to stand up here tonight and count all the ways that he can, uh, that they offend them. But one thing, it offends them because all the things they want to do and make into law goes against God's law. And that's one of the reasons why they're getting offended. For instance, I saw on Facebook, I believe, where a judge in Florida, and I think it was Florida, I stand to be corrected, but I think it was Florida, is trying to give the atheist a legal holy day. How can you give somebody, the definition for atheist is someone that does not believe there is a God or any gods. They don't believe in any gods. But they want to give them a holy day. This is coming from Satan, putting these thoughts into the minds, and they get, like I said, these thoughts get into the hearts, and then they begin to act on them. In Romans 1.21, it says, They knew God, but did not praise and thank him for being God. Instead, their thoughts were pointless, and their misguided minds were plunged into darkness. They also, went, they also want to destroy the lives that God created by slaughtering them because having a baby would interfere with their lifestyle. Think about that. That's really all the reason why they're doing it. You know, it, it, they're, they're, you know it, it's going to interfere with the, their lifestyle and the, and the way they're used to living, and they don't have time for the baby, and they don't want the baby. It breaks your heart to think about it. I, I really try not to think about it because, like I said, it just breaks your heart. They want to confuse our children into thinking that God must have made a mistake when he created them. In Genesis 1, the Amplified Bible, it says, God, so God created man in his own image and likeness of God. He created him, male and, free, male and female, he created them. Now, the boy wants to be a girl, a girl wants to be a boy, and, and they want to force the issue on all our children by forcing them to use the same bathroom. They call this gender friendly. That's what they call it, gender friendly. Saints, no matter how much, and I've said this before, no matter how much they want to change what God created, they can't. No matter how much surgery they have, they cannot change what God's created. Our government, not all of our government, but a large portion of it wants to totally get God out of the picture so they can reverse everything that Jesus stands for. You don't want to get God out of your life. As I was listening to Brother Keith today, you don't want God out of your life one minute of the day. You want him with you everywhere you go. You want him whether you're, like he said, cutting the grass or taking a shower or in this car. You don't want to be without God because he's our protection. You know, he's our high tower. He's our refuge. He's the only one that he, he will protect us. From, from all this other stuff that's going on. And, we, and, and if I don't have time to read that either, but in the scriptures, you know, especially in Judges 10, 6, you know, it talks about how God turned, turned the people over. You know, they had decided they didn't want God in their lives anymore. You know, they didn't want to have anything to do with them. But then when they got in trouble, they wanted God to come and deliver them. 
And God said, well, I've delivered you out of this. I delivered you from this, and I delivered you from that, and I delivered you from that, but this time I'm not going to deliver you. If we think back, brothers and sisters, this is not something that just begun. It's been going on, really, since the beginning of time. You know, it's people have been doing things like this, you know, and, and, and uh, doing things like this ever since the beginning of time, you know, killing kings and doing this and that and the other and taking over the government and stuff like that. It, it's, been, it's been going on all along, you know, so really it, it, it's, nothing, it's nothing new, except I think now the things that are going on have accelerated, you know, and are moving Amen. toward that time. Amen. Praise God. In Matthew 13, Jesus answered the disciples and said, Every plant which my heavenly Father has not planted, he says, will be uprooted. And Jesus said, Let them alone. He said, There are blind leaders of the blind, and if the blind leads the blind, he says, Both will fall into a ditch. Amen. He said, Just leave them alone. And Matthew 12, 34 says, For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Saints, the people want to stay in neutral. This is what I can't understand. They want to stay in neutral. Actually, ABC has said that, they, that we shouldn't even be able to wear a flag pin because they want to stay in neutral. They're afraid to stand up for anything. And that's where most Christians are today, is they're in neutral. They're afraid that they will offend someone with their beliefs. So they're afraid to speak up about the God that we serve. And say anything, you know, about talking about God or praying in public or anything like that. As long as I got a mouth, I'm going to pray in public. I don't make a scene when I'm in the restaurant praying over my food, but we're not going to eat until we pray over it and bless it and ask God to bless it, you know. And I will speak and pray wherever. It doesn't really bother me. It might bother them, but it doesn't bother me. I, I know that the God I serve is going to protect me. You know, I, he said that if I'm ashamed of him, he's going to be ashamed of me. And I'm not going to be ashamed of him. Just think about it. When you get into your car and you put it in neutral, you know, you can put it in neutral if you want to. And when you do, you're not moving forward or you're not backing up. You're just sitting still. And like I said, that's where most of the church is today. They're in neutral. And that's where the world is today, is in reverse. They're becoming more and more ungodly. And if you don't know what ungodly means, it means without God. They don't want God in anything. And they're working hard and harder to undo everything that God stands for. And everything about Jesus offends everybody. And the audacity of the people that want to challenge the Word of God thinks that's almost scary. That's insanity. I can't even imagine somebody wanting to challenge the word that was inspired by the Holy Spirit. You know, I can't even imagine it. Because the Bible says anyone that adds to or takes away from his word or anyone to blaspheme the Holy Spirit, according to Revelations 2.18, he says, For I testify to everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book, if anyone adds to these things, God will, be, God will add to him the plagues that are written in this book. He says, and if anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part from the book of life, from the holy city, and from the things which are written in this book. 
It says in verse 20, he said, He who testifies to these things say, says, Surely I'm coming quickly, and even so, come Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise his holy name. Matthew 12, 32 in the English Bible says, And whoever speaks a word against a, man of, against a son of man will be forgiven, but whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven, either in this age or the age to come. So let them talk. They're talk if they're, they're talking about the Holy Spirit, God is saying right here that they'll not be forgiven. He said, whoever speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven. But whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven, either in this age or the age to come. Saints, everything is about the heart. It's about your faith and your mind. I'm going to switch ships here and refresh your memory with a couple of stories on miracles and about the power of faith and what happens when we act in faith on God's word when we believe it in our hearts. And I'm going to call this a shadow, a handkerchief, and a handful of meal. Most of us are familiar with the story in 2 Kings 4, uh, verse 38 about how Elijah had instructed his servant to put a large pot on the fire and make some stew for all the other prophets. However, when the servant went out to gather some herbs, he came back with a pocket full of wild gourds, and it said he shredded them and he put them into a pot without realizing that they were poisonous. When the stew was served, the men were eating, you know, they were crying out, man of God, there is poison in this stew, so they wouldn't eat it. And Elijah said, I'm not afraid of that pot. He said, don't pour it out. We'll just kill the poison in that pot. <laughs> or you could say, I'm not afraid of that doctor's report. I'll just speak God's word over it by faith. I will command it to be gone and in the name of Jesus, and it will be gone. Or you can say, I have an edge on this report, for I have the power of Jesus living on the inside of me. Amen. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Saints, all Elijah did was take a handful of meal or dust flour and he cast it into the pot. In verse 41, says Elijah said, bring me some flour or meal. Then he threw it into the pot and he said, now it's all right. He said, go ahead and eat. And of course, it says that they did eat and nobody was harmed. And now the shadow. In Acts 5, chapter 5, verse 12, it says, The apostles were performing many miraculous signs and wonders among the people. And it says, All the believers were meeting regular at the temple, but no one else dared to join them, even though all the people had high regard for them. And for, verse 14, it says, Yet more and more people believed and were brought to the Lord, crowds of both men and women. And 15, it says, as a result of the apostles' work, sick people were brought out into the streets uh, on beds and mats so that, peace people, uh, so that Peter's shadow fell across some of them as they went by, and they were healed. in handkerchiefs and aprons. And in Acts 19, 11, 12, in the Berean Bible says, God did extraordinary miracle, miracles through the hands of Paul. In verse 12, it said, So that even handkerchiefs and aprons that had touched him were taken to the sick, and diseases and evil spirits left them. In other words, they were all healed. You might say, Well, Pastor Joe, will meal or flour kill poison? Yes, it will, as an act of faith. 
It was merely an act of faith on Paul's and Elijah's part. Elijah just believed that if he sprinkled a little meal in the pot, all the poison would die. The Bible says all we need is a mustard seed of faith. In Matthew 17 in Brian Bible, he said, Because you have so little faith, he answered, For truly I tell you, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, Move from here to there, and he says it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. And in Mark 9, now this is, this is about the boy with the evil spirit. Most of you are familiar with the story that the disciples were unable to cast out. And so Jesus, you know, had to do it. And so the man asked Jesus, the father of the son, he says, if you can do anything, he said, have compassion on them and help them. In verse 23, I love this. If you can, echo Jesus. All things are possible to him who believes. And the boy's father cried out, I do believe. He said, help my unbelief. Hallelujah. And yes, as an act of faith, a, hack, a handkerchief will drive out a demon. Think about a cloth that's been anointed. I have anointed cloths, and I have prayed over them, and I've mailed them out. And I have received awesome reports back on how people were healed and delivered. As a matter of fact, I spoke on this once before. I don't remember when, but I believe I did. This is a praise report that I received back from one of my partners in Augusta, Georgia. Her friend needed help with his daughter, Hannah. And my partner emailed me about her friend's daughter, Hannah, and said, a close friend of hers called and asked her to pray for his 21-year-old daughter who was living at home and had become extremely confrontational, especially with his wife, her mother. He said his daughter would leave screaming that she hated them, and she would often disappear for several days at a time, and they were really at their breaking point. She said, I prayed and I told him that I would also ask Pastor Joe to pray. So I agreed to pray and also ask her for her friend's address to send him the anointed cloth to put inside his daughter's pillow. And she said, and of course the, my partner said, I honestly thought this was silly at the time, <laughs> but my friend without telling his wife put the anointed cloth in his daughter's pillow when it arrived. His daughter came home that night, slept on the pillow with the anointed cloth. The next morning, his daughter woke up and was happy and calm and said, I love you, Mom. I love you, Dad. Can I help with the dishes? You know, the, the change was, ast was astounding, uh, my friend's wife said, and she said, what miraculous things has happened to our daughter? You know, the Holy Spirit is awesome. You know, and he can change it overnight. It doesn't even, you know, uh, it doesn't always happen overnight, but it can happen overnight. It can happen in the blink of an eye in a second. I might add that I prayed both in the spirit and in English over the clause, taking authority over that spirit that was on his daughter. Her friend never told his daughter about the anointed prayer cloth, but I, she says, I asked Pastor Joe to send me a couple of anointed cloths from my troubled family members and the, res and the results were the same. She said they were miraculous. Praise God. See, there is no power in that piece of cloth. The power is in your faith and the anointing. A shadow, a handkerchief, a handful of meal. Saints, there is no power in a handkerchief. There is no power in a shadow. 
There is no power in that piece of cloth. The power is in your faith, and it's in the anointing. But as an act of faith, God can use it to kill the devil, to destroy the power of the devil, to kill cancer, to kill cataracts, to deliver a person from demonic spirits or anything else. Are you hearing me? I hope you are. It's another act of faith. According to Acts 28, verse 3 in the New Living Bible, it says, As Paul gathered an armful of sticks and was laying them on the fire, a poisonous snake driven out of the heat bit him on the hand. But Paul shook off the snake into the fire and was unharmed. Of course, the people waited for him to swell up or suddenly drop dead. But when they had waited so long and saw that he wasn't harmed, they changed their minds and decided he was a God. But, you know, I'm telling you this because, see, God has given us a scripture for every one of these. You know, we, we run into uh, things all the time. Maybe not like this, but it could be something similar. But he says in Mark 16, 18, and Jesus said, They shall take up serpents or any deadly thing, and he said they would not hurt you, and if he drinks any deadly poison, it will not hurt them. So, you know, when Elijah's uh, prophets were drinking that stuff, he said they could drink any deadly thing, it wouldn't hurt them. Or when Paul had the snake, he shook it off, he said he could pick up anything dangerous thing and it wouldn't hurt him. Paul didn't go out looking for it. You know, I know there are some denominations that believe in your faith being in holding up snakes. But I have faith, but I don't need to prove it. Not that way, you know. I don't think that God meant for you to go and test this. But I do think if you are somewhere, say in another country or something, and that's all the water that you had to drink, I believe that you can have the faith that it will not hurt you and it won't hurt you. I believe that. According to God's word, I believe you have to have faith that it won't harm you. It's all about believing in your heart. In other words, saints, you have to believe the word of God is true and you have to act on it. My point is this. If you have the faith, like I said before, the faith the size of a mustard seed, according to Matthew 17, 20, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there, and he says it will move, and nothing, he said, will be impossible for you. Nothing. Remember, Elijah was not filled with the Holy Spirit, and he didn't have the Spirit of Jesus living on the inside of him. But we do. The Holy Spirit would just come upon him. The Holy Spirit would come upon him from, from time to time. But the Holy Spirit lives in us, according to Romans 8, 11. It says, the Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. Just think about that. The, whole, the Spirit of God lives on the inside of us. Praise God. You have raised, you and I have raised from the dead power living on the inside of us. Hallelujah. Saints, you have to believe that God wants you healed. God wants you delivered tonight or anytime from whatever you need deliverance from. In, in 1 Peter 4.11, it says, Do you have the gift of speaking? He said, Then speak as though God himself were speaking through you. Do you understand what I'm saying? Do you have the gift of speaking? The Bible says that he's made us into speaking spirits. He said, then speak as though God himself were speaking through you. So we're going to have to speak if we're going to get any results. And he says, nothing is impossible with God and for him that believes. Jesus used many ways to heal the sick and the afflicted. 
I've heard people say that it's, it's not God's will that everyone be healed. But saints, that's not scriptural. Jesus never turned anyone away. One of the biggest ways to be healed really is by hearing of the word. I heard Brother uh, Kenneth Hagin Sr. is going home to be with the Lord now, say that he had seen just as many healings and miracles occur as a result of teaching people the word of God and getting them to exercise their own faith for healing. I trust in the power of God's word. In, in Romans 10:17, it tells us that faith comes from hearing and hearing from the word of God. As a matter of fact, and I've said this before, Pastor Larry was giving out words of knowledge for healing one night when one of the things he called out was something that David was having an issue with that was really quite critical at the time. And David knew when, he, when Pastor Larry gave out this word of knowledge, David knew immediately that the word was for him, so he reached out and he took it. That's the reason why Paul told Timothy, he said, preach the word. The, you know, the power and the anointing is in God's word. It's in hearing the word. And I got a praise report back from a lady, the praise, uh, the praise team leader in uh, Hillsville. And she was saying that uh, the, the word that I said, she got a hold of it. It was kind of like David got a hold of the word that night. She says, I got a hold of that word. And when we we're reading lunch, she come over and told him, she says, you changed my life. You got a hold of this. She says, because the enemy's been telling me all of this stuff. And she says, I know now that it's not true. And I know now what to do. And, and so she couldn't run. She's getting where she couldn't run. And she works for the rescue. And she says, now, she said, I know better. He keep telling me it's because I'm getting old and I'm getting this and I'm getting that. And, and she said, now, she says, if I have to go across the yard, I run. If I go here, I run. Wherever I go, I run. <laughs> you know? <laughs> and she says, she, it just really has made a big difference in her life. Because sometimes you can just speak one word to someone, and you just grab a hold of that word and, and claim it, and claim it for yourself. In closing, let me remind you of this. That the word of God is anointed, and God's word is the same whether you and I feel the anointing or not. This is where I think most people make uh, such big mistakes is they feel like they've got to feel something in order for it to actually work. And, and that's the biggest lie that you know, Satan's ever told. Because you don't, you, don't to, you don't have to feel anything. As a matter of fact, most time you don't feel anything. But sometimes you will, but you don't, you don't have, it's not necessary that you feel anything. It's just that you have to have the faith for it. And I know that sometimes an anointing will come on you sometimes or you get this little nudge in your spirit, you know, maybe the doctor will tell you something and, and, and all of a sudden, you know, the, the, the word, the spirit will rise up on the inside of you and, and you say, no, no, <laughs> no, 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 no. I, I, I don't receive that. I don't accept that. I know the doctor told me something a few weeks ago, and I said no. <laughs> but, you know, sometimes there's nothing wrong with going with the doctor. There's nothing wrong with that. But, but the doctor, you know, God can work through that too. But you don't want to accept everything they tell you. You don't have to make it a life thing. You might could do, use something temporarily while you're confessing and, and praying over that situation until... And until it's gone, but you don't want to see yourself having to live with this, whatever that is, for the rest of your life. You don't want to see that. 
And that was what I was trying to tell my sister Dorothy when I was down in North Carolina. She's making really good progress with her walking. As mo some of you know, she was in a terrible car accident back in December. And she's still not where she needs to be, but she's making a lot of progress. But her niece just went on, a, I mean, her daughter just went on a cruise. And, of course, she's the one that was couldn't walk, was in bed. Remember, we prayed over her, and now she can walk. And, and so we do know God moves. She can walk, but when she goes distant, sometimes she needs something to help her but she can walk before she couldn't get out of bed and, and so she's making progress all the time but she has something like a, I don't know what you call it like a scooter or something and she said that they allowed her to take it on the ship which is okay because I understand I've never been on a cruise have no desire to go on one but <laughs> you keep me on land <laughs> hard enough getting up in the air but the water no and she said <laughs> Even though my house is surrounded by the water. <laughs> but it's different. I won't get in it. And uh, so, so she was saying, uh, ever what that thing was, you know, a scooter or whatever, scooter. She was saying, you know, Debbie said, maybe I need to get one of those. And I said, no. No, Dorothy, you don't need one of those. You don't even want to think that. You know, the way you think and the thoughts that the enemy puts in your mind, you know, that's just a thought to let her know, you know, that she might need this forever. You know, it might be more a longer term than what the doctor is saying, you know. And like I said, but if you accept this and then you get that, and the next thing, I said, you don't want to depend on anything but God himself. I said, God's working through you. You're up. You're walking. I said, you can even walk now without your cane. You can walk without the walker. You can't stand a long time, but you're standing. You're walking. You don't need a scooter. <laughs> and I got her out while I was down there. You know, she determined she wasn't getting out. And I said, we're going. And uh, my other sister, I guess she couldn't, couldn't get her out, but I got her out. I, said, <laughs> I didn't drive all the way down here to sit here all day. <laughs> but, you know, my point is, is that the enemy is always putting lies in our, you know, these thoughts in our minds. And if we receive that first thought, you know, that's what I was telling. Um, one of the things I mentioned, I've talked about it several times before, so it's nothing new with me. But how the enemy, you know, is so subtle with um, things, especially with people that are aging, you know, even before you're, you know, especially when you start aging, you know, he starts putting these thoughts in your mind, you know, like, well, you get to be 40, you know, you have this problem, you know, by the time you get 50, you know, you start having that, and you get 60, you're going to have that, and 70 for sure, you're going to have that. I know when I went to see my doctor, you know, back in December, you know, he asked me how my arthritis was. I said, my what? But <laughs> he said, well, most people your age, you know, I'm 39, you know, everybody knows that. But, <laughs> but when you get to be 39, sometimes people have other riders. <laughs> I'm not putting it down, I'm, I'm telling you. I'm just, I'm just telling you what the enemy does for us. You know, if you think back to Adam and Eve, and that, that we, they didn't have these reports that was telling them, all the people back then, you know, all these things they were going to get when they got to be certain ages, and they lived to be 103 and 400 years old. You know, because they didn't, they didn't have somebody that was telling them all this stuff, you know. And, and so I was telling them, I said, well, the enemy started out by telling me that uh, it started out with the senior thing, you know, the, about the senior coffee. You remember me talking about that? And I said, 
I told my sister, well, see, they misunderstand. Sometimes people misunderstand when you're talking to them. And when you say, well, I don't receive or uh, I don't think that way. I don't think that way. And I said, I know it's the trick of the enemy. You know, he starts with a little thing with a coffee and then he starts with this and he starts with that. And I said, you know, and they said, well, they, we'd ride by McDonald's and they'd order two senior coffees and I'd order a regular coffee, you know. <laughs> two seniors, one regular, you know. <laughs> I hope you guys are listening out there because I know I'm not the only one 39 in here. So <laughs> not the only one that's 39. <laughs> and then it's back the senior meals. You can get a kid's meal. Don't have to get a senior meal, get a kid's meal. And so they misunderstand, and I, my sisters might be watching, sometimes they do. And uh, <laughs> I'm not saying anything to offend anybody because they know I love them. But it's <laughs> I tried to explain this to them, and it's not about the money. Because they said to me, well, maybe you got more money than we got. At that time, I was a widow living on a fixed income, but I never saw myself that way. I saw myself as serving God, the God of more than enough, El Shaddai, God Almighty, you know, the all-sufficient one. And I never went without anything. And I said, no, I don't. I said, it's not about the money. It's about what the enemy's trying to do to you. He's trying to get you to take that thought. And if you take that thought, then he'll give you another thought and then another one. And, and then that's when he starts, you know, with all these sicknesses and the different things in the body that, you know, the body now at a certain age, you know, 39 or 40, you know. <laughs> you know, my, and, and David, of course, bless his heart, he just turned 39 too. So <laughs> we kind of have to keep an eye on him. But, you know... It's not in my message, but, you know, I, I think that sometimes, you know, like I said, we can be so vulnerable. And, and the enemy, you know, he's been doing this. You know, we're, we, you know, we're filled with the Holy Spirit, and, and we got the Spirit living inside of us. But, you know, he, he's been practicing for over 2,000 years. And we have to admit that even though we have power and authority over him, he still knows things that we don't know. Now, if we, can, if we can grasp what he's doing, now we can, we can take authority over that because we do have power and authority over him. He has no power and authority over us except through our minds and our thoughts. So if he can get you to take those thoughts and you take another one and take another, you know, it's like when you start getting a headache or a stomach ache or something like that, you can start claiming that and start speaking about that, you know, and... And I realized that I don't want to claim anything as mine, you know, if, if I had that disease, which I don't even want to call it. But if I had that, I wouldn't want to say, you know, my so-and-so. Don't ever want to say my so-and-so. You call it the, you know, when I pray, like with the cough, you know, I, there are several ways I pray for it. But lately, i just been saying, I believe I receive healing for the cough, the cough, not my cough. But I receive healing for the cough. I receive healing for the esophagus. I receive healing for the digestive tract, intestines. I receive healing from my eyes, for the retina, the cornea, the tear ducts, everything. I, I receive healing for it. And, and I don't call them mine. I just call them part, part of my body, you know. And, and the Bible says that if you can believe it in your heart, 
If you can, if you can believe it, you know, you can have whatsoever you say. And, and, and I, I, I really want people to get to where they believe what God tells them. You know, believe God. You know, I, I, like I said, I want, I'm writing a book. Writing a book, I believe God, and I believe it shall be just as he says it's going to be. If the Lord tells me something, I believe it's going to be just the way he tells me it's going to be. You know, and, and this is every word in the Bible is, 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 is inspired by the Holy Spirit, and, and it has power in it. And it, it, it works. Every word in here, it works. But you've got to work it. It's not going to do it by itself, but he gave us the word, but we've got to work this word. And we've got to believe him when he tells us something. Like I said, we don't have to have feelings to experience a healing in your body. It is a big mistake to base your healing on a feeling. It's, a, it's faith in God's word. It's not faith in, in your feelings. And, and, this is, and this is true no matter what you're praying for. I hope you're hearing me. See, God himself said you can't trust your feelings in Jeremiah 17. I've, practiced, I've preached on this so many times. Because, you know, he said, you can't trust your heart. He said, it's the most deceitful thing above all things. He says, and it will lie to you. You can't trust your heart. As a matter of fact, all through the Bible, God talks about how much evil is in a man's heart. But we all have a certain amount. We don't know, any of us in here, in certain situations, what we might do. But we hope we would do the right thing. But the more you spend time with the Lord of renewing your mind, and the more you focus on his word, the less evil you're going to have in your heart. It's going, you're, going to get a re, you're going to get a new heart. He's given us a new heart. And, but we've got, and it's soul, you know, we're spirit, soul, and body, you know, mind, body. Remember, faith gives action to the power. In other words, there is a role that you play as a receiver. You have to do as Elijah and Paul. It was an act of faith on their part. It's always an act of faith. The night that Pastor Larry made that, give that word of knowledge, it was an act of faith on David's part. It was an act of faith that he reached up there and grabbed it. You know, I, I believe that, the, you know, the Lord tells us that he sends forth his word, and he said, it'll go where I send it, it will prosper the thing for which do I send it, and it will not return unto me void. And so what he's saying here, he is saying, I'm sending forth the word. When you speak the word, it's going forth. And he says, it's not coming back to your void. He's saying, pick up my word. Pick up my word and give it back to me. He tells you in Isaiah 40, uh, 43, 26, he said, put me in remembrance of my word so I can plead your case with you. God wants to help you when you're praying and you've got something going on in your life, whether it's a health in your body or your finances or whatever it is. God wants to partner with you and he wants to plead your case with you. He don't want you, you you're never alone. He don't want you to be alone in that. But you have to invite him in. You have to invite him in and give him uh, permission to work in your life and, and, and to do what needs to be done. You have to invite the Holy Spirit in. He's not going to come in and do things without you asking him. You're going to have to ask him. And don't think for a moment, and don't think for a moment that you don't have enough faith because the word says in Romans 12, 3, that you do. It's everyone is given a measure of faith. So everybody... Everybody has faith, you know, whether you realize it or not. Maybe some's got more than others, but 
I, I think it's because we're not, uh, we're not practicing it, you know, like we should. Mainly, I think if I wanted to leave you with anything, I, I, want to, I would want to encourage you to take God at his word. The Bible says, I think it's in Numbers 23, 19, that he's not a man that he should lie, and he's not the son of man that he should change his mind. He said, have I not spoken it, and has it not come to pass? And I really believe that if we start believing, believing God's word and believe what he says and acting on it, we're going to see a lot more things happening in our lives, you know, in our bodies and stuff. And also we need to continue to um, make sure that our church doesn't get in neutral. So everybody in the church and the members of the church, they need to work together to keep it together to keep supporting the pastor and his wife and, and the others and, you know, just support each other in it to make sure. And, and there's things that we can do and start doing to reach out to others. We, you know, Pastor Larry and I and Natasha and some of the others, um, Donna, we, we're all reaching out to, to minister to other people in other places, and we're not doing it for gain. The Lord knows that. We're doing it because we have a heart for the lost. And all those that are listening online, you know, when you give in to speak the word ministry, that's what you're doing. You're helping us reach millions of people all around the world that otherwise would never hear the word of God. And those that are supporting Revival at Cape Henry, this, this, all the money is not going, it's going directly to ministering to those people over there because we pay them to be able to minister to them. So we're definitely not one of those that's saying, give me, give me, give me, give me. Because we're giving, giving, giving. Because it's so important to us. To, it's so important to us that we get the word to them because I don't want it on my conscience that I didn't do all I could do to make sure that these, some of these souls get saved they have the opportunity to hear the word because he unless they hear the word they can't get saved you have to hear the word of god in order to receive christ you have to you have to hear the word and that's why he said you know the preachers we go forth we preach the word it's our responsibility to preach the gospel the good news of jesus christ so that people can hear the word receive it in their heart and and god is attracting attracting you and people are being healed People are being delivered from demonic spirits. Um, and, and, of course, you know, these places, these countries are not the only ones that have dem demonic spirits. we got plenty of them here in the States. Just look around. I mean, you know, anytime somebody wants to give an atheist a holy day, it's got to be, <laughs> it's got to be coming from somewhere. Praise God. Father God, I just thank you so much. I thank you for the word tonight. I thank you, Father, that your word is sharper than a two-edged sword, and it will cut through bone and marrow, even to divide in the spirit and soul. I thank you, Lord, that I believe your word with all my heart. And Lord, I thank you for all those that came out to hear your word tonight and all those that are listening online. And Lord, I just pray that they will receive something that will minister to them, Lord. And I pray, Father, that it will wake them up, too, because your word says that the harvest is white, the harvest is ready, and I don't believe that the harvest has ever been more ready than it is today, Father. And, Father, it's our desire, and it's my desire, and I believe it's desires of this church in Cape Henry to reach out to the lost, to get as many souls saved as we can. I do believe that we're running short on time, 
and Lord, I just want to use every moment and every day and, and the ones in this church that wants to do the same thing, to use all of our time to reach out to as many lost as we can. There's, there's people in our neighbors, our families that are right here in the United States, right, and some they're right next door or some living with us that don't know the Lord, Lord. So we don't have to reach, we can reach those over in other countries, but we can also reach those right here at our front door, Lord. So help us, Lord, to be good witnesses and help us to be good witnesses that when the people, we, they will know that we love you so much and they will see our lives and they will want to be, they want to have what we have, Lord. They will not be repelled by what we say and do, but they will want to be a part of what, they will want what we have, Lord, and that's to have you, Lord Jesus, living in us and the Holy Spirit and the Father God. So, Father, we thank you again for this word and ask your blessings upon it. For it's in Jesus' name we praise you and we thank you. Amen.